Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. A few weeks ago, Pastor uh, spoke out of this and the Lord laid something on my heart. So we're going to go back there this morning. Isaiah chapter 6. This chapter actually starts the beginning of Isaiah's ministry. It's actually the first chapter in chronological order. Um, in the year, it starts out in the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah said he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, his garment filled the temple. Now listen to what he says about the seraphims. He said they each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Listen to how Isaiah describes these angelic creatures, each one having six wings. I mean, we, I, I know I can't wrap my mind around what these creatures really look like. It's, a, it's too heavenly for my mind, our minds to understand these fiery, flying, angelic beings. And Isaiah said that these seraphims had to cover their faces in the presence of the Lord. These great beings had to still cover their presence or their face in the presence of the Lord. We'll go to verse 3. three. He says, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I. Isaiah's finally realizing where he's at. I mean, he's probably feeling pretty good up until this moment. Feeling like he's a good man. He's, 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 he's clean. He's, he's, he's a good guy. And now he's found himself in the presence of the Lord. And he says, woe, woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one, flew, one of the seraphims flew unto him, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from up off the altar. And he laid it upon Isaiah's mouth and said, Lo, this have touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. This happened to Jeremiah in Jeremiah the first chapter of Jeremiah, verse, or verse 9 rather, said, The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, Jeremiah, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Now, I believe that that's what happened to Isaiah. The angel put the words of God in his mouth. And when he does that, we're going to feel the same way Jeremiah felt. He said, I try to keep silent. I try to hold it all in because apparently 
Now he's been going on for 20 chapters. And now he's feeling a little discouraged, it seems. And he said, I try to keep silent. I, 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 I pray I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna say it anymore. But his word just burns in my heart like a fire. And I don't know how to describe it. I just, I just know I got it. Does anybody know you got it? <laughs> I said I can't explain it. I just know I got it. And it's like a fire shut up in my bones. Praise God. I'm talking about that fire. You, you, I don't know what happened to me Sunday morning. But I just know I went to this little church in Hatch Bend. And I went to the altar. And something got a hold of me. I don't know what happened. I just know I got it. Praise God. Have you ever felt that way? I just know I got it. They said you would speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's all I know. That I got what the Bible says. I got it. I got it. I think this is maybe what Isaiah said in the, uh, felt in the, in, the next, in the next chapter. That fire that was shut up in him. God had put his words in his mouth. And Isaiah was on fire. He was ready. Because listen to his response He's, to the Lord. He says, it's, it's the same response that Moses gave, gave, Moses gave in Exodus 3. Verse 4, it said, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. I don't know if Moses walked by the first time and seen it or the second time or the third time, but I know this. When he stopped and responded to the notice the bush, God spoke, here am I. First Samuel, same thing. The Lord told, uh, called Samuel and he answered, here am I, here, I, or here am I. It's that initial first time experience we have with God. The night or day when you first received the Holy Ghost. You remember that night, that day? Mm. I do. I mean, I was on fire. I was on fire. I mean, it's not that I'm not on fire now. It's not that you're not on fire now. That fire, it doesn't go out. It matures. It settles. It's not a blaze like a campfire when you first light it. That flames go up real high. And that's what it is when you first get the Holy Ghost. But after a while, it lingers and begins to smolder. Like Jeremiah, after 20 chapters, it got all the way to his bone. Praise God. It's, it's out, of, out of control at first, but for, after a while, it settles on you. Praise God. Verse 8 says, Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send or who will go for us? The Lord said. And Isaiah, like I said, he's young. He's ready to go. Here am I. Send me. He's excited. Then the Lord tells him the condition of the people's heart. He says, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see you indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. And make their ears heavy. And shut up their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and, com- and convert and be healed. Then said I, Isaiah, Lord, how long? And this is where I'll draw my title this morning. How long? How long? How long do I preach to them? How long is this going to go on? Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15 helps us understand 
the people of this day. And it says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with the heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. These parables Jesus used were specifically designed to bring clarity and eventually revelation to people. For those who welcome the gospel with joy, the meaning of the parable would, like a, a buried seed, eventually spring up and begin to produce fruit, depending on the ears that would hear it. The people in the days of Jesus were like the people in Isaiah's day who heard the word but could not really hear, so they, they couldn't hear, they couldn't repent. It wasn't, it wasn't a hearing problem. It was a heart problem. Man's heart had become hardened and hollow like inside of trees. You look at the tree, it looks fine, but maybe inside it's hollow. It was a heart problem. It wasn't a hearing problem, it's a heart problem. God created man so that he could have a relationship with him. But the fall came and that separated man from God. Man became hollow inside. But even still, God had a plan for man's redemption. We have six dispensations of time. Each one was designed so that man could be saved in each one. The first was innocence. Then the fall brought on the next dispensation called conscience. The human government promised the law. And the one that we currently live in now is the dispensation of grace. So before the law, there was always conscience. This was put inside of us because we were made, Brother Rayleigh was talking about this morning, in the likeness of God. So because of that, we carry his genetics. But because Adam brought sin into the world, every man or woman born after is, is born with the nature of sin because we're born after Adam. This is why there's a need for salvation in every dispensation. You don't have to teach a young kid to lie. You don't have to teach him to get angry or get jealous or not share his or her toys. This behavior will come naturally. Because of the sin nature that we're all born with. But you don't have to teach them to feel bad or guilt either. When they do something wrong to feel remorse or love. They're going to fall in love all by themselves. You don't have to teach them about that. Why? Because like sin nature we're born with. We're also born with the conscience which comes from God. A contemporary of Lincoln's, Theodore Parker, as a child heard an inner voice cry out, It's wrong. It's wrong. When he had been about to poke a little tortoise sunning in the shallow water, he said, What just happened? He asked his mother. Some men, she said, call it conscience. But she said, I prefer to call it the voice of God in the soul of every man. And she said, if you listen and obey, it will speak clearer and clearer and always guide you in the right steps. But if you turn a deaf ear and disobey, it will fade out 
little by little and leave you without a guide. The people in the case that we read about earlier, Isaiah was went, went to preach to, had turned the deaf ear to God. And he just became a distant, distant memory to them. His voice had faded out. And they were left without a guide. Just like our world today we're currently living in. This country has turned, uh, tuned out and became deaf to, to God. They have removed God from any part of their lives. And, and they are without hope in this world without God. Amen. But that's where the church comes in. That's where the church comes in. It's like Moses was, in, was there to intercede for the children of Israel. The church is here to intercede for this world. The bride should say, come. You're welcome here. Come. We should join with the bridegroom and say, come. Come. God chose the foolishness of preaching to echo in the ears of the hearers. The guy Theodore, his friend Abe Lincoln, would grow up in the state of Kentucky. He lost his mom when he was nine. His parents would take he and his siblings to church it was said of Lincoln that after services on the American frontier, a Lincoln kinswoman recalled that Abraham Lincoln would go out to work in the field, get up on a stump, and repeat almost word for word the sermon he had heard the Sunday before. Lincoln never claimed to be of any denomination of any kind, but his favorite book was the Bible, and after Years of, of, of reading it and become president, he, he did get closer to God. And one thing else he was, he was absolutely anti-slavery. He understood his assignment, it seemed from his youth up. He understood that this must be dealt with and it would take a lot of time. He knew from the start that this horrific stain that corrupted so many people of that era came from the heart. It came from table talk going into the ears of kids sitting at the table and stealing hate and fear into hearts of children from a young age. He understood that this couldn't be just rooted out overnight. That this would take years. He knew this journey would need to succeed him if this was to be cleaned up. We still see this kind of hate today. This wasn't something new that Abraham and his friends or his colleagues dealt with. This was the same spirit that the apostles dealt with and before that. It's the same spirit that Ezekiel dealt with in Ezekiel 2 and 5. It says, And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. It's a heart problem. How long? How long? Till it's rooted out. That's how long. Noah, after building the ark and preaching so many years, we don't know how long. We don't know how long he preached and how long it took him to build the ark. Some people's theories are different. But I believe that he asked that question many times. How long, Lord, do I keep preaching to this generation? They don't seem to be listening. They don't seem to be hearing it. And I believe God just told him till, till I shut the door. That's how long. Until the scales fall from their eyes or until I say well done thou good and faithful servant 
That's how long. It's not up to us to discern how long. It's not up to us to decide who will hear or who will forbear. He gave us an assignment. And we're to carry that assignment out until the end to all nations and all tongues with the same measure of grace that we would give to a loved one. I know that's hard. We should give that same grace to the, the, the stranger, one that's just so, so detached from anything good. But I'm here to tell you, this untoward generation of people are worth saving. I know, I see the news too, but I'm here to remind us again, they're worth saving. They're worth the time it would take to share the gospel too. Hatchbin Apostolic Field, the church feels that this community, Hatchbin and Brantford, is worth saving. Our prodigals are worth the prayer. New people coming in are worth, they're worth it. They're worth the time it takes to help them understand this gospel. Come on, we got to take time with them. They're worth the love that we can share to them. They're worth the arm around the shoulder. They're worth the hospital visit. Praise God. Let's clap our hands again. That same spirit that Isaiah fought has always been around. The Bible calls it the Antichrist spirit. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. That's hard to bring every thought. Come on, be you with me? That's hard to bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Man, we are in the fight of our lives. And if the Lord tarries, if the Lord tarries, this fight will need to succeed us. We need to have the mind of Abraham Lincoln. This might take a little longer than what, what the years that I have. This is going to take a little longer. Somebody, somebody is going to need to pick up the mantle. Somebody, we need some young people to step up and say, I'll take that. We need somebody to stand to post. We need somebody to get in the watchtower. We need somebody to come up and say, I'm ready. I'll fight. I'll take that. Because this just may succeed us. Praise God. I'll fight. Give me a sword. I'll get up a shield. I'll gird up my loins. We need to let our light shine. Hallelujah. Because somebody's got to take this fight further than we could. They'll rest in the moment when David saw the angel of the Lord standing still after David was judged for counting Israel. David. David, oh my, this angel standing during destruction after killing all these people. There was a moment where everything just stopped. David, this angel standing with his sword drawn. And David seen him and said, oh my God. No, 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 wait. 
Wait, don't kill them all. Don't kill them all. I did it. I did it. He was like Moses. He was ready to stand in the gap. No, take me because that angel was drawn. He had a sword drawn ready to kill. I'm here to tell you that's what the church is doing. The angel's standing there with a sword drawn ready to take out America, ready to take out this world. But the church is saying, wait, wait, give us more time. I've got children that's not ready yet. I've got a neighbor that hasn't heard this yet. Come on, wait, wait, not just yet. Not just yet. Hold on. Woo, we got to get that mind. We got to get that heart like David said. No, you can take me, but don't take them. Don't take them. At this moment, David fell on his face realizing that this was much bigger than his kingship or even Israel. We must realize that this is bigger than our homes. It's bigger than our prodigals. It's bigger than this community. It's even bigger than this nation. This is the kingdom we're, in, we're, we're fighting for. Amen. We're fighting for a kingdom. We're fighting spiritual powers. Then the angel of the Lord commanded him to go and build an altar at the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. This would be the place that his son Solomon would later build the temple. The place where Abraham heard the voice of God say, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here am I. Lay not thy hand on thy land. This place seemed to be a place of grace. But when Solomon got it, it was, it was free. It was, already, it was there. Somebody before him fought for it. This place didn't just appear. Someone had to pay, the, pay for the land. David couldn't build the temple, but he was able to purchase the land. He said, if I can't build it, if I can't build it, I'll store the materials for the next generation to build it. If I can't see the end of this thing, then I want to make sure I leave all the tools necessary for the generation coming so that this will succeed me and my efforts. We've got to make sure these children understand what Brother Rayleigh was talking about this morning. They need to understand who the mighty God in Christ is. And they need to be able to explain it. I'm talking about kids in school, in middle, in middle school. They should understand it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. Beside me, there is no God for them. They need to know that. They need to know if another child asks them, what must you do to be saved? The Bible says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. That means we're buried in baptism. That means we go down in the water taking on His name. We become His child. We become adopted by Him the name of Jesus and we come up and we must receive this Holy Spirit. That means we speak with another, another tongues. That means we speak another language, a heavenly language. That's what his, That's the evidence of His Spirit. They need to know that and they need to be able to explain that. My God, because you can easily get knocked off a rock that you don't believe in. If somebody else told you about it, it's not your testimony. It's not your story. But if it gets to their bones and it needs to get all the way to their bones, you can't take it from them because they'll be like Jeremiah. It'll be shut up in their bones. It'll be who they are. This can't die with us. This truth must march on. After I'm gone, I'll store up, I'll pay the price now for their efforts later. David said, I'll believe now. 
when they take the torch, oh, hallelujah, they can hit the ground running. They need to be able to go. My goodness, my brother, my dad took this pop it already had this thing going. My dad basically just hit the ground running. He baptized almost 50 people the first year. I'm here to tell you somebody's done some work and we need to take the mantle and take it further. Don't stop. We got to go further than they did. Praise God. How long till someone hears the message? We need some modern day James who counted all joy when they fall into divers temptations. When you encounter various trials, we need somebody to say, I'll, I'll be like James. I, I count that joy. I count that joy. Some modern day Paul who was five times he received 39 lashes, beaten many times without number, beaten with rods, once stone, three times shipwreck, spent many nights in the cold without food and water. We need to be ready for whatever it is that's coming. Amen. I believe in an imminent return. Not an imminent return or something else. No. I believe in an imminent return, period. Period. I hear that or, or this could. No, 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 no. An imminent return of Jesus. That means he's going to come in the air like a thief and scoop up his church. He's not coming all the way the, that time. He's going to scoop us up in the air and we're going to meet him and go, go be with him forever. That's what he said. Soon, and very soon, come on now, soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. I'm talking to the church right now. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. The song said there won't be no crying there. There won't be no depression there. There won't be no heartache there. There won't be no, 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 no breakups there. There won't be no crying there. But it also says there won't be no dying there. There won't be no heart attacks there. There won't be no wheelchairs there. Come on, somebody. There won't be no heart attacks. There won't be no cancer. There won't be no diabetes because there won't be no dying there. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. The music's coming. The music's coming. Oh, Lord. Aren't you thankful? That you're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, highly prayed up and ready to go up. Hallelujah. Mm. What a God. The judgment that's coming is going to be like a time like there never was a time. Jeremiah 30 and 7 says, Alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it. The time of Jacob's trouble. With a seven year tribulation. How long? It's going to be bad. I know, I know the world is evil and there's a part of us. You just got to be honest. There's a part of us that wants our wrongs to be made right. We believe people should be punished for what they've done. We do. I get why we feel that way. Sometimes Jeremiah felt that way. He did. He said, I, I, I don't have the scripture for it today, but basically I'll give you the, just the gist of it. He was for the judgment to come. Even asked God, how long will the wicked pro prosper? How long? And then, and then, then he started seeing the results of God's judgment. The women and children lying dead in the streets from starvation. And then he asked, how long will this go on? How long has seen his attitude change when he's seen the destruction God was bringing? Or just some of it. 
He changed. It, it rings different when it actually starts to happen. I know we see some leaders up there and we think, oh, wait till God gets a hold of them. Well, you just wait. You, you just wait and see God get a hold of them because we're going to see that happen. We're going to see that happen. Oh, God. I, I, I don't, I, I'm here to tell you it's going it's to ring a little different. I had the, uh, if I had the words to describe how bad it would get once the bride is gone, I don't believe we're going to be here. I don't believe that at all. I'd share it, but apparently it's so bad that God told several people to seal those words up. Those are not lawful to speak, he said. It's too horrific to utter. Close up those words. It's hard to preach or witness to people that can be so resistant, I get it, to anything good, but we, we can't give up on them. We can't give up on them. Because if we do, they're going to face a time again like there never was a time. You can't stress on that because we can't describe it like an opener's church where we can't, we can't describe how bad that's going to be. All we can say is it's just going to be bad. The Bible just says it's just going to be a time like there never was a time. That's pretty much it. That gives you some details, but that's not enough. This world is not our home. Our citizenship is not of this world. Either eternity in hell or eternity in heaven. That's your choices. That's it. Mm. There's not a third. Suspended between heaven and earth, straddling between two covenants. The law and grace. We see an exchange take place between Jesus and one of the thieves on the cross. The thief, unable to save himself, put his faith in a man who looked also incapable of saving himself. He must have understood something must have clicked in him that Jesus was who he said he was. There must have been something about the presence of Jesus that swayed his opinion. Was it when Jesus, while on the cross, cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Come, why don't you stand gather around me? Gather with me around this altar. Come on. Mm, if you will. The thief on the cross, maybe, maybe it was a last-ditch effort for, for him. I don't know. I mean, must have. What did I have? What can I? What, I don't have anything to lose. I must say something. But eternity with God, or eternity without Him, that was his choices. And he said, "Hey, will you remember me? And said, this day, thou shalt be with me in paradise." I'm here to tell you this morning, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, according to this Bible, according to this Bible, you're not ready to meet the Lord. I wouldn't try this. I wouldn't try it. He'll be here next week or Wednesday. If you need to repent of your sins, I ask you to repent of your sins. That means turn away from what you're living in now and make up your mind not to go back to that. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. Pray and let God take those sins away. And then God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. He can't give you the Holy Ghost until you repent. But when you repent of your sins, hallelujah, and you begin to praise Him for that, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Don't leave here without being baptized in His name. I encourage you. Let's pray. Let's all pray. We all need to pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.